every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. My guest today is Dr. Paul Goodman. Paul's a man that wears many hats. Father, former comedian, podcaster, dentist that owns multiple practices, and the owner of a dental practice consulting firm called Dental Nachos. As his website states, Dental Nachos was born out of Paul's passion for dentistry and connecting people. As he will surely tell you, dental school doesn't teach you how to run a dental practice, let alone set up multiple businesses to serve the dental community. Yet Paul has done exactly that. When you talk to someone who owns a company called Dental Nachos, you need to have a beer that goes perfectly with nachos. While I do consider myself a craft beer nerd, I also love a great Mexican light beer. So today, I'm going to be drinking one of my summer staples, Pacifico. Paul dug deep into the nacho fridge at nacho headquarters, and he's going to be drinking a local favorite, Up and Out by Two Stones Brewing in Aston, PA. And with that, welcome, Paul. Cheers. Thanks, Brian. That was a nice intro my grandmother sent you to read. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Every, every week. That's great. <laughs> well, the first place we want to start, let's start with, tell me a little bit about your business and how you go from being a dentist and owning a dental practice to running multiple businesses. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, you've been part of the journey from the beginning. I've known you for now, you know, a decade and a half. I always, you know, wanted to do things besides being a clinical dentist. I, you know, I, growing up, I want to be a doctor, dentist, or lawyer. Uh, it's kid of the nineties, George Clooney from ER, Tom Cruise from a few good men. <laughs> dentist like my dad. And I had the best dad who you knew, and he was just great. He never pushed me into dentistry. The only thing he ever said was, it's great to be your own boss. You know, he didn't wake up every day and click his heels and say, hooray, another filling. I was born to do this. He enjoyed, you know, serving our Pennington community in New Jersey. He enjoyed having flexibility, coaching our sports teams. So I said, you know, dentistry allows you a lot of be your own boss stuff, which is why I'm glad I chose the profession. Sure. Uh, throughout dental school, I always, you know, in, at Villanova, uh, you know, I, I, I know, I know your listeners might, might, might not be able to see uh, all my props. But I always have this basketball here with my daughter so I can palm it. <laughs> the best college basketball teams. I always want to be a, a, a professional basketball player, but like they say, dreams don't always come true. So I'm this, this instead. So I understand that. Wanted to do more. You know, I love teaching people. I love being involved in communities. Uh, so at dental school, I was always organizing either different events, bringing people together. What bothered me so much, uh, seeing my dad, he had a partner and it was rare for dentists to work together. They right. work by themselves, incredibly stressful profession by yourself in a cave, you know, dentistry is a cave profession. And I said, that really stinks. How can dentists work together in a more collaborative way? So I, I had a really cool opportunity to the Albert Einstein GPR in Philadelphia. Where we've met, I stayed there for multiple years and learned how to do dental implants. Right. I started um, the Rising Dentist Study Club at one of the most popular restaurants, uh, Maggiano's. Uh, you've been there. And we've had <laughs> real events. So that's really where Dental Nachos came from. Uh, I always wanted to speak. So I spoke on implants and practice management, but I really just enjoyed bringing people together who were stressed out. And the goal of the Rising Dentist Study Club was for dentists 
to meet each other early in their career so they wouldn't hate each other later. And, yeah. you know, uh, you had seen some of that happen. So basically, that's how I did beyond the operatory, outside the operatory. Uh, I called dentistry full contact arts and crafts on people who don't want to be there. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, think about this. I always say this on podcasts because maybe it will help you. Who thanks their dentist? Do people even thank us? No, they don't. You know, you put together a financial plan. I bet you at the end, people say, thanks, Brian. Yeah. I'm going to go and do this. People, there's, are we done yet? Are we almost done? You know, and it's, 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 it's can be demoralizing. So yeah, no doubt. The best thing I can relate it to, through what we've grown up through is, you know, when my awesome wife, Mary was a mom for the first time, right? The new right. mom, but imagine having the new mom feeling your whole career, right? <laughs> you know, the new mom, they grow out of it. So I remember that time you have this child, you you know, you have to manage this child and you get together with these new moms and you bond together over this really great thing, having a child, but this really exhausting thing. Yeah. So your, your dental career, you know, this is a great podcast you put together for business owners. So if someone's like, oh, what's it like to own a dental practice? You know, could you describe it? I'm like, yeah. It's like having a three-year-old every day that never grows up for your whole life. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I have a th almost three-year-old now, Drew, and people don't remember. So, you know, you could be on the streets and you're holding your three-year-old or two and a half-year-old and people go, that is the best time of your life. I say, oh, how old are your kids? They're 40. They're 40 right. years old. <laughs> They've forgotten what it's like because while when they're dressed up in the Paw Patrol Halloween outfit, that's awesome. They didn't see my other choice today, Brian, for this beer. It's a good one. Um, but I think not Sly Fox. It's a Brooklyn one. Yeah. Uh, was the Meltdown. There's a beer called the Meltdown, which I thought was appropriate for the very appropriate. The Eagle season, sorry, meltdown yeah. <laughs> and this, but also for, you know, you have, you have small humans and they're now bigger, but yeah. you remember that two to three year old meltdown. So your practice, yeah. your dental practice could melt down and you could be, you're the only person there to handle it. So I want to give dentists a resource, a community, a way of not feeling alone. So that's how that grew. Well, that's great. And, and so you, you bring me to, to one of the things that you talk about a lot and it's what you do and don't learn in dental school. So you, you, one of your favorite things to talk about is the Krebs cycle, which we'll probably yeah, skip right. for today. But uh, talk a little bit about how dental school may prepare you for, you know, doing an implant, but may not actually prepare you for to how to run a business. Yeah, I mean, I have this guy here and I know this, I'll, I'll bring it to life in my words. I say your dentist and core is made of your mind skills, your word skills and your hand skills. Also, you don't cry on the inside. Every day. <laughs> and what I share, and also since I live on Zoom, and I know, you know, you're a fit guy, Brian, maybe you're doing squat jacks or jerk jacks. I'm not sure. Yeah. I have weights here. So dental school, to give it your listeners an idea, it'd be like doing a thousand bicep curls. And you'd be like, are we ever going to work on our core? And like, you'll do that later. Or in basketball, right. only working on dribbling. And you're like, what about shooting? I see people shooting out there. Like, oh, you'll learn that later. So dental school is often too one note in preparing you for clinical skills. And when you get out into the world, it's communication, your business, sure. how to interact with people. And I'll try to say this in the most diplomatic way. I believe the dental school training is irresponsible because they charge people $500,000 to get this degree. Right. Don't give them the skills. Like if you only, if you went to basketball school for $500,000 and you're like, oh, what they teach you? Just dribbling. Like what about passing? Nope. Nope. We skipped that. So that was my goal was to make dentists realize to be a well-rounded, successful dentist, associate or practice owner, you need to know how to talk to people. You need how to know how to think through things. You need customer service skills. So these are the things that Dental Nachos hopes to teach. What the Rising Dentist Study Clubs yeah. taught was the skills that you need to survive and thrive that they don't teach you in dental school. 
No, you make a good point. You have someone sitting in your chair that couldn't be more nervous about something that's going to happen and you have to talk to them and it's going to cost them a fortune. And you can't really talk to them about the clinical I, side of what you're going to do because they don't care. Well, for sure. It's like, I, I always use an example, like I t- this is my one example that I think people can relate to. If someone, I say, if you go get a haircut, do you want the best haircut possible? Most people are like, yes, I want the best haircut possible. Is it okay if it takes seven hours? Nope. Nope. Well, now that's the starting point. Right. <laughs> your wedding, so you want a goodish haircut, right? That doesn't take seven hours. And they don't give the dental technicians, the people cutting your hair, the skills to know how to manage that, right? When am I done? You know, uh, if you take, I mean, it's got food happens this way too. You want yep. a good turkey sandwich? Yes. It's going to take four hours. I'll take the level down from that, right? Sure. But I don't want the one that's going to cause me, you know, food poisoning either. So how do you how do you self-evaluate? And it's, you know, probably in your financial planning world, you think yourself with your, your growth, imagine all that stuff you thought you knew in the beginning that right. you learned. And you're like, I'm glad there was somebody there to tell me that this wasn't right, or this is the way to do it. Yeah. And sometimes dentists, dentists, Brian, and this is a problem. They never get any of that. Yeah. From years one to 40 in their career. Yeah. That's why, you know, I make some jokes and, um, you know, I love comedy and did it, but I mean, we've done a lot of work through this camp- pandemic that I'm proud of that talks about dentists dying by suicide, mental health, stress, sure. because, um, you know, feeling alone, you know, it, veterinarians uh, have often the same issues. And these are things that, you know, are causing significant problems in our industry. Yeah, that, that's huge because when you when you're not taught to run a business and you're just taught to focus on the one thing about practicing dentistry and then you end up running a business that becomes super stressful. I'll I'll say most medical professionals, you know, there, there is a joke in our industry where if you go to the doctor or the dentist and they tell you they own a stock and you own it, you go home and sell it right away because they're not usually the most business savvy and, but you end up running what could potentially be a multi-million dollar practice. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. These are Roger Levin said that and it stuck with me here. I mean, dentists own million dollar businesses. Now a million dollar dental practice, may make a dentist may make $200,000 a year, which is, is, is a great income. Sure. I just want to say for your listeners or someone's going to running a million dollar practice doesn't make you a millionaire. Right. Yeah. You manage $1.8 million worth of revenue, which is a lot. I mean, that's a lot of money to manage year after year. And what comes with managing the procedures, the team, the decisions, the insurances, the financial planning can just be incredibly overwhelming. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So now, obviously, you're talking about talking poorly about dental schools. Has there been any blowback from the dental schools to dental nachos for their oh, for your stern conversation? Very interesting. And I have a thing and I've learned a lot doing what I do. And you've known me from before this time. The exact same content can stimulate opposite reactions in people. Sure. For example, you could have someone dress up to go out for the night and they could look but some people think they look scandalous. Other people think they look awesome. It's right. their outfit, right? Yep. You could have a professional athlete perform in a game where people thought they were just toughing it out and doing well. And other people think they stink. So right. what's interesting about this online world is I'm just one person. So what's crazy is I will say that it's irresponsible of dental schools not to teach this. And they are letting their students down. And they have students like University of Louisville, one of their instructors sought me out from the podcast and said, I want you to speak to our students. And I give him electronic credit. He goes, I want you to come and talk about finding jobs, all this wow. stuff. Back in the day. Then other deans banned me from the school, from the exact same content. Amazing. So it's crazy to me because some people are threatened. I mean, I watch you, Brian. I mean, fitness is the same thing. You know, 
sometimes the way I ate in the eighties, it's like, it's a terrible way to eat, right? Processed garbage, all this stuff. Sure. But change that for a culture, right? It's threatening to start eating whole foods or other stuff. And some people turn away and say, I don't want to change. Yeah, other yeah. people turns towards it. I just keep being me. Cause I just have nacho thickened skin. I should probably see a doctor <laughs> about it. But, I mean, I am amazed that the same content can cause such drastically different reactions. Yeah. No different. I mean, you're, we're going to have to manage children going through social media, right? Yeah. A 17 year old, it could be a guy could post a picture of himself playing a sport. Other people would say you're showing off and trying to make people feel bad. Other people could say you're being true to yourself and showing that you love this and it's really difficult. And I'm 43. So I have a kind of a pretty good sense of self, but I couldn't imagine going through this earlier. And the dental schools that do that, I just hope that maybe they catch up one day and hope they see that I'm really just doing it to try to help. Who would have thought Paul, Dr. Paul Goodman, polarizing figure. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that was interesting. About people who knew me in person, they'd be like, I don't understand. Why are people mad? You're always just trying, like people in Philadelphia, like, you're trying to help people, bring people together. But remember seeing something online, Yes. Uh, I always use this example. My wife is, is here. I don't text Mary that we are out of paper towels because that can be misconstrued. If I say, are there paper towels? It could be, well, you don't think I buy paper towels, blah, blah. <laughs> so I say that Sebastian Maniscalco is a great joke on text like that. So text, and this is so valuable to us, content online or written in a text has no context. No tone. Say it with your words. Yep. And you, you help young Dennis, Brian, and your partner. Watch this. If I sell a practice and it does a million dollars a year and has five operatories, DSOs will be first in line to buy that practice. And it will only not be sold if the owner doesn't want to stay for three years. Right. So very difficult for a private practice dentist to buy that practice. Yeah. So you heard me say that. That's my experience as a broker. If I type that on nachos or anywhere, someone say, Paul, you're telling me I can never run a practice. Paul, you're, you're saying it. And then I'm not, but you can't bring, I always say BTL, bring to life. You can't bring to life your words when it's, read in someone else's head. Yeah, and that's for really sure. So. Yeah, your tone and, and what you actually mean doesn't come across when it's just printed. For words. sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, obviously, you know, you have the dental, the two dental practices that you run, but let's talk a little bit about exactly what dental nachos is and what it does, like all the different things that it touches. Cool. Yeah, I like doing that because I enjoy people like seeing the shirts and, you know, we'll send, we'll send you a shirt, right? So if you wear this shirt, um, you're going to get questions. People will be like, what is dental nachos, right? Some people say it interesting. Some people think it's stupid. And I like it as an opening thing because the easiest way to be would describe it would be a Mr. Rogers for all the people, Mr. Rogers neighborhood for all the people in the dental world, right? right. <laughs> a place where people can feel okay about not feeling okay. A place where people can have uncomfortable conversations. And my wife, Mary, is a kindergarten teacher. She's homeschooling Daphne, this pandemic life. So she's a kindergarten teacher. I went to her classes back in the day. Kindergarten teachers are special people because they yep. take five and six-year-olds, they put them in a classroom and they try to make them be nice, but also learn and have conflict. That's what Dental Nachos does. Another way to describe it is free, a free park like Rittenhouse Square. You go there, you can enjoy the park, you can watch, and there's also stuff that's sold. So we can have a bank that's selling loans. We could have sponsored by a technology company. Right. Sometimes dentists don't like this. I don't know why, Brian. You know what you can do? Like if you go to a park and they're selling beer, you know what you can just do? You don't have to buy it, right? right. <laughs> some people like me, I, there was a brewery, a local one before the pandemic that was great. They made this great IPA. I was glad they were at the park, right? Sure. So, so I've created this virtual world where yep. dentists learn, meet each other, 
find out how to improve their businesses. So basically we're, we're dedicated to increasing the success, decreasing the stress of dentists and people in the industry. How can you be more successful, less stressful, and also come out of your caves and make new friends? Whatever happens with Dental Nachos long-term, maybe we're listening to this 10 years from now, Dental Nachos doesn't exist. Maybe we're listening 10 years from now and Dental Nachos is a national brand. Either one of those things could happen. But the proudest thing I could be is that real dentists have met each other across the country without me involved because of dental nachos. That's amazing. That I love. They take pictures saying, I met Pete in Chicago because you're a dental nacho and I'm a dental nacho. So that is the best way to describe it. That's phenomenal. So, you know, obviously you've done an incredible job with social media and, and technology, which we'll talk about, but your social media media following is pretty impressive. Yeah, I think yeah, I was looking at it today. I think you have about 53 followers on Instagram, but your community on Facebook is 28,000 people. Yeah. That's a, that's more than attend a Flyers game. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty substantial. So what do you owe and, and how have you built that using technology? So if I say this, and this is a lot of success in life, and I was listening to Ray Dalio on Lewis House's podcast, great podcast listening for financial planner person. And he said yeah. a lot of it was luck, which is good timing. So what was my good timing? In 2017, when dental Facebook groups were popular, I am an opinionated person. And I was on other groups. And I said, you know what? This isn't my group. I have a lot of strong opinions. I'll still be part of this group, but I want to start my own group. Mary helped me come up with the name Dental Nachos. I'm a speaker. I'm a broker. I'm a uh, dentist. I do these things. And it's going to be about implants and practice management. And I said, maybe if it goes well, there'll be a thousand people on it, right? Yeah. And what happened was dentist's attention was turned towards joining these groups. They're all free. And that which makes it very cool because it's like a genuine friendly competition or friendly rivals, like Simon Senek said. So there's a bunch of different free groups. Yeah. Put your attention on whichever one you want. Right. I owe it to, I love to write. I love to talk. I love to speak. I love to share thoughts. A big fan of this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, who I find is like kind of my idol in this whole thing. Yep. I love to document my journey, not produce it. Like he said, and I love to grab polls. I love to be con I love to, I tell people like my friend, Dr. Todd Fleischman, who I turned to speaker, it, my whole thing is Paul Goodman will kindly annoy you into a good decision. <laughs> first, annoyed, but then you're so threatened by his kindness when he has nothing in it for him. Cause I met Todd and I'm like, you're really good at speaking. You got to yep. become a speaker. And he's like, I don't want to. I'm like, yeah, I don't know you want to, but you're going to. And it's yeah. that person who drags you to the gym. So I owe it to trying to do my best to be part of a solution, yep. put my personality online, you know, and then you mentioned Instagram I love multiple mechanisms of connection called MOC. So Instagram is a totally different feel. We have like 5,000 people following me on my personal Instagram, 5,000 dental nachos. That's a much more one-on-one -on -one feel. So I try to migrate. You think of it, Brian, like our children, they're very good with texting one-on-one, -on -one, right. Instagram one-on-one, -on -one, but are they good in a group? I don't know, right? Yeah. So Facebook is like this group discussion where you have to manage people who are going to say stuff you don't like. Yeah. Instagram a lot of times can be one-on-one, -on -one, and you can shut off stuff that people don't like, but that's not always good. Sure. LinkedIn, text message, email, TikTok. And I just try to create content that people could learn from uh, in all these ways. And I love interacting with them. I mean, I've met so many great friends myself. You know, we have people during this pandemic watching in from other countries, which I just thought was really cool. That's amazing. You can't help but hear you talk about what you've done. And you actually gave me the book Tipping Point a million years oh, yeah. ago. And you are what would be deemed a classic connector, right? Yeah, that's sure. And, and it seems like you thrive on being yeah. able to. I, I love that. I love people meeting each other 
and doing something good. I, I, you know me, I'm just as excited to tell people to go to Elvez as I am to tell them <laughs> to get a loan somewhere. Cause I know the impact is going to go. I would say AATI always about the impact. Yeah. So when people come to Philly, they're like, where's a good place to eat? I'm very, I know that if I recommend people go to Elvez, nine out of 10 people like it, 19 out of 20. So I know most likely people are going to like it. Most yeah. people's brain is worried. What if one person doesn't like it? Not me. Yeah. I say, you better go to Elvez while you're here. If you don't go to Elvez, you're going to miss out. And then people go, guy from Denver who came in, we we're talking yesterday. We met at Elvez. He does a practice transition. I want to introduce you to him. Nice guy. We were talking about like doing stuff. And you know what he said in the middle? He goes, you took me to Elvez. Those nachos are so good there. We have to go back there, right? <laughs> that too, like, I, I'd love if the star group sponsored me one day, but they don't, right? But sure. What people don't get, and it starts like, I am passionate about telling people to go to Elvez. I get zero dollars from it. Right. Because I know they're going to have a great experience. Yep. Life has a lot of annoying experiences. So yep. I just love connecting people. And I love being connected to good ideas too. I try a lot of things. I'm very open to new things. I don't judge myself too much. Something doesn't go well, just don't do it again. I don't know. So yeah, trial and error. Tipping Point is a great book. I'm, it was great you remembered that. I love Yeah, that. you bring up a good point about when you try to introduce someone, you're sort of putting yourself out there and something I, could go wrong. But yeah. you just totally ignore that as, and I guess that's probably being an optimist at some point. I'm optimist. I also put myself into most likely what's going to happen. If you told me my sister needs an implant, I'll say, do it, right? I, you don't tell me more. Because she said, well, but what if they don't work out? They work out well 95 out of 100 times. Yeah. 95 of my patients love their implants, right? Right. So I'm not betting your sister's going to be in that five, right? Most people worry about that five. I worry about missing out on the 95. Sure. And that's why I'm just very passionate and positive. And I am optimistic, but I'm also realistic. I, one of the things people have said about me is um, I'm like a real positive, positive realism for dentistry. Because I'm yeah. also going to tell people there aren't enough jobs for young dentists. And then they're going to get upset. And I'll be like, you could be upset, but there's still not enough. Job that doesn't change the facts. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> like I, I use the example, like people, they want to go to Elvez on a Friday night without a reservation. They're going to wait two hours. Like, but I yeah. can't wait two hours. They go, Elvez doesn't care. You got to wait two hours. So right. I'm also very realistic. And because optimism can have a, optimism can have a problem if you become as Gary, I'm using Gary Vee thing, delusional, right? Right. But like, where does optimism end and delusion start? Yeah, you do need a realistic optimism. That That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. So one of the things I want to talk about, so you talk about putting yourself out there and making recommendations, and you already brought his name up once, but you did recommend to me many years ago to go see Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, yeah. Sight unseen. I didn't, I, the only bit that I saw he did was the ring the doorbell and uh, yeah. what happens. So we saw him at Helium Comedy Club right before he absolutely exploded. Right. So. Yeah. Kudos to you for that recommendation. And it worked out well. I and think I, we went to Elvez before that too. By yeah, the way. That was a New Year's Eve. We were, te we were texting. I have a good yeah. memory. So but yeah. what I want to say is how much joy has Sebastian brought you? A lot, right? right. And I always say that you introduced me to him. And I bet you, you've told other people to see Sebastian. Guy. I have. Absolutely. Now you've passed this joy forward. Yeah. And that's the best part of life. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm positive, but you know, my life, like I've also had some things that have been very challenging in my life. Yeah. So it's like, why not just embrace whatever wins you can get, whether yeah. it's with acting from a comedian, eating nachos, or making a good dental decision, right? Right, you know? absolutely. You know, it's like a sponsored things. It's like, if people at dental nachos, they'll say to me, are you sponsored by this company? I'm like, yeah, you should do it. Like, but they pay you. I'm like, yeah, I know, but you also should do it. Right. Like, you buy sneakers from an athlete who uses the sneakers. Like, you don't you don't think there's some big scam involved. So the dentists, <laughs> the, the dentists are worried there's a scam inside the scam. They're worse than your grandmother in the basement right. worried someone's out to get them. And I go, how else do you want people to get the message? Like, have you ever seen 
an influencer showing sneakers. I'm like, this is the only way companies can get their, and also we're just getting more of this, like influencer marketing, affiliate marketing. And I actually think it's actually sometimes more authentic than previous marketing, right? Yeah. I mean, otherwise you could just pay to be the, if you had the most money, you could put yourself on CBS. Right. Other companies do it. Now you could, you could get an Instagram influencer with 20,000 followers to Gary V thing, share your story for a really affordable price. And now it's kind of leveled the playing field mm-hmm. from a giant brand. And I tell Dennis, you should be, Dennis are very good at this. I always say this. They're very upset about the good things. They can be very upset about the good things. Like, <laughs> I can't believe there's this Facebook group where I can buy products from my couch and learn about them. I go, you didn't say anything bad, dentist. Like, why are you angry? Like, I'm a dentist. It's illegal for me to be happy. Like, <laughs> I love it. That is what I hope dentists incorporate into their businesses, whether it's using a membership club, whether it's mm-hmm. sharing their story through videos, because I think business development, just like financial, physical, mental stress, we should be working on getting a little bit better. Yeah. No, you, you make a great point. So let's talk real quick about your former life as a comedian. Yeah. And uh, so obviously, you, you know, you, you did some, you did some comedy for a period of time. How has, what have you learned as a comedian that you could translate over to your, to your business life? It was one of the best things I ever did. I took a comedy class, like people would take a cooking class and I said, man, this will be fun. I always love comedy, but I probably, if I could have my dream job outside of dunking a basketball, (laughs) I would love to be a writer for SNL or Seinfeld. I love speaking. I love speaking and I love uh, communicating with Dennis, but I'm not really someone who loves acting. So comedy is like acting out your thoughts on stage. That's why Sebastian's so amazing. Yeah. I would, I got a reasonable level of being successful in the Philly comedy scene, not any real comedy scene, but that is the hardest skill ever. I mean, trying to do stand-up comedy, practice it, being at bars late at night. So I loved writing. So that's really helped me in writing emails, writing blogs, doing videos. So it's, I mean, I recommend everyone take a stand-up comedy class because stand-up comedy is about communication. It's about being, I talk a lot, but, um, one of my people work for at Dental Nachos. I, I should have had to write it down. She changed careers. She goes, Paul, she's like, I have to move to a different profession. You know, she was an intern. She's like, I just want to say, you know, you never waste a word. Everything <laughs> you say is important. I'm like, can you write this for my wife? <laughs> I talk a lot, but I'm very careful about what I say. So comedy forces you to be, I'm not careful, efficient with your words. Right. So it's really a great skill because making people laugh is a fun thing. So, so I loved it trying to become a comedian is a little bit like male guy modeling. So right. like there's a million attractive females, right? And people say to people, you should be a model, but it's like so hard to be a model. Those yeah. comedians, For every Sebastian who's amazing, there's 10, just like professional golf, who are like almost as funny as Sebastian, still like being a comedian at bars, which yeah. is nothing, but it, it's, it's a very hard career. But I learned so many things on effective communication, efficiency with your words, how to make people laugh, how to think through what you're going to say, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know that I can say the same. Like, I I know, Brian, I mean, comedy is all like good scripture. I say, hey, being a dentist is doing full contact arts and crafts on people who's not going to be there. Nine out of 10 people laugh. You're they right. laugh because it's relatable. Yeah, right? exactly. So, you know, dental school teaches you how to do everything uh, except how to feed the baby. So if you're a parent, <laughs> to do everything like make your own onesie and food like what about feeding the baby you'll learn that on the streets like it's important to learn now so i know that those comedy is a great way to bond with people and i love doing it and um 
it's, you know, that's been tough on that industry during the um, pandemic. pandemic. But I have another good recommendation for you on December 18th or 20th. Mark Norman is awesome. Mark Norman, I'm going to write that down. Mark Norman, and he's streaming from a theater. He's, he's very Sebastian. He opened for Amy Schumer. He's pretty big now, but yeah. he's a good one. That's good. That's awesome. I love it. Well, let's talk. Obviously you're, you're pretty, uh, you're a family guy, yeah. but you have an interesting dynamic where you work with your brother every day. You worked with your father uh, before he passed away. Your wife works with you in dental nachos. Your sister works with you in dental nachos. So how is it? I'm a family guy too, but I always say that I don't know that my brothers and I could work together without killing each other. How has, how do you like working with them and how is, are there challenges and, and how's that whole process? There's always way more good than challenges. My dad and I would say all the time, my dad was just the best dad. So when sons and daughters had problems working with their fathers or mothers in dentistry, nine out of 10 times, it was the parent's fault because mm-hmm. the parent had the practice and the son comes in and my dad was so open, said, Paul, by the other practices. Didn't mean he didn't influence, but he said, you know what you're doing in this world. I want to help you clinically. So we had a most perfect relationship. Now, most That's perfect, great. perfect, awesome marriages doesn't mean that there's no friction. Right? Sure. Yeah. So I always tell people that's how it's supposed to feel. I mean, I know I'm picking on poor Wentz and I like Wentz, but during the game, you know, the QBs like you ran in the wrong spot at a yeah. professional football level. So that happened with my dad and I, and my brother and I, but I love it because you get to spend time with people you care about. I'm kind of me no matter what. So like I'm me at Thanksgiving, the same way I'm running nachos. So people like Jill, my sister knows like this is, I'm very like, what you see is what you get. So like, it's not like I'm some different person sure. when I run a company that I am. I'm kind of like, Jill always says like, you give people good advice, but you give it like a six foot hoagie, you cram in their mouth, right? <laughs> Once you get it and you know where it's coming from, I think you kind of understand the style. So I love doing it. It comes with challenges, but I think you get to take your family on your journey. Now during this weird pandemic time, you know, I can work from my home so I can kind of like be with my children, come back to this. Sure. So I think that it, you know, I'm Jeff Bezos said this good quote, you know, Amazon, not that I dislike Amazon or love Amazon, but it's obviously, you know, maybe that company 20 years from now, we'll look at it be like the most evil company ever. Maybe not. Maybe not be broken up. Maybe not. But he said like the modern day entrepreneur, like, they're kind of doing it all at the same time, right? So I love being able to handle a text message at 10 a.m. At, at a park to deal with something. That's my personality. That's yep. me, right? I don't like these strict things. Like I stop work at five. I do this till eight. And of course, you just like anything, just like eating or exercising, sometimes too much of a good thing becomes a problem, right? Right, sure. You have to sometimes manage it. My wife is very good at calling me out on it. And I have no, some no phone time, Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, but you know, when she wants to run out and I'm here in this home office doing this, I'm like, see, aren't you pretty lucky that like I'm here and you can do this. So yeah, I, I like it. And it comes with way more good than challenges. That's great. Well, you actually, you brought up something that's pretty important, which I think you've done a really good job of. You've gotten a great team around you, you know, not to mention besides your family that allow you to really focus on what you do best, you know, your unique ability as it's called. So how have you been able to build such a successful team to really focus on what you like to do most? It's an excellent question. I'll, you know, bring it to dental world. My dad, most dentists are not good with delegation because when they delegate one job, and it's not done right the first time, they say, I'm taking it back. <laughs> That's not unique to dentistry, but then what they have is a lot of annoying jobs. Mm-hmm. I am an, inc- it, it may not appear this way, and Gary Vee talks about himself this way, 
But I am one of the most patient people anyone will ever meet. I'm patient yeah. with feelings. I'm patient with people's uh, emotions. I'm patient with people's insecurities. So I work really hard on delegating tasks and sharing that you can do this. And we're going to work hard until you can do this with kind annoyance along the way. So it's all this, like, how do you make things a medium deal, right? It's with parenting. It's with being an entrepreneur. You know, you give a task to one of your people who just started. It's an important task. They do 60% right, but 40% wrong. Mm -hmm. You focus on the 60% right only and say the 40% wrong is no big deal. No. Do you tell them they can never do it? No. So it's a balancing act. But I think when you just, one of my great um, management coaches, Carol Kivler, KivlerCommunications.com. She's awesome. She always talked about putting positive deposits in people's emotional bank account. Mm, so I, like I, that. Yeah, I annoy people. I frustrate people. Uh, Jeff and my wife called me Ned Bark, Ned Stark, because they said I'm like Ned Stark. Everybody loves him, but he's always yelling. But I'm not yelling. Yelling's not a fair term because I yell. Barking, do do this. So I got annoyance, frustration, Ned Bark. But they all know that like I would do anything for them, and they know that they can count on me. So I think when you do that, people give you a lot of leeway. Yeah. And then they're proud that they've done it, right? Yep. You know, I've gotten people on video that say they're never going to get, I'm, I, I, my whole life is to kindly tell people I say, I told them so. Like I'm holding my cell phone up. I want to uh, video my next Nacho team member that says, I'm never going to be on video. Then a year later, I want to show them like on Facebook live. Like, Remember you said you were never going to be on video? Like Here I don't remember. I'm like, I videotaped it, right? Yep. So, so that's my whole thing to gently guide people out of their comfort zone. Yeah, that's great. Empower them to be able to make decisions and, and do what they and it's all, don't it, think they can. It's all, yeah, and, if, and just like with what you guys do, you, you live a very exhausting life, in my opinion, if you never do this. Yeah. Because that means you have to do jobs A through Z. They come with different value. You get bored of them. Yeah. Sometimes you may feel alone. I mean, I felt alone a lot during this pandemic because I'm at Nacho headquarters here and there's another room. It's a, but like, I have to take out the trash, which is no big deal. They always say no job too small for Paul. But I cannot take out the trash and be on a podcast at the same time. Right. So if you don't delegate and manage, you sometimes feel so lonely because at the end of the day, you have like 16 tasks that could have been done during the day. And yeah. that's for your dental office. And dentists are really bad at this point. I think that's one of their biggest problems. They allow their nuisance work to drag them down because right. they don't know how to teach someone else to do it. It's interesting. It, and it is, there is part of, I guess part ego where you don't necessarily want to let things go in the, in the fear that they might not be done exactly like you want them, but you have to kind of weigh your costs for doing it versus someone else that is way better at it than you. Or, or what's so bad if it's down 80%, get to goodish. I mean, I mean, who's even to say that all these right ways thing. It's like, like I have the best grandmothers in the world, but it's like, it's like that weird grandma cooking style. where like, no, no one makes my lemon meringue pie. (laughs) It's like Seinfeld. I don't know how official these rankings are with world's greatest dad and grace. It's like, I just don't take myself too seriously. And, and I think people, uh, it's kind of the fun part of being a leader is to see people grow and do better and, and have better self-esteem from growing. I mean, it's kind of sad when you see these people in positions where they kind of just stay at one level the whole time. Yeah. And the leader never kind of gets them to a different level. To yep. me, I think it's one of the biggest parts of being an entrepreneur to help them get the most out of themselves as possible. That's a great point. I agree with you there. So let obviously we've talked a lot about uh, how well things are going. Let's talk a little bit about some of the biggest challenges that you faced, whether it be professionally or whatnot. So talk about a little bit about that. I mean, you've had you have an interesting background. 
Well, I mean, right now the running dental practices during a pandemic is very, very challenging. So sure. Rob Montgomery and I have talked about this in our podcast where they say, dentists don't fail, right? But if you went to your wife, and, I mean, if you heard your wife in another room and someone's like, how's your marriage? Your wife said, well, at least we're not divorced. You'd be like, that is not a very nice thing <laughs> to drive our marriage. So yeah. not failing, it doesn't mean sense. So we, oh, being open after a pandemic, all the regulations, all the team issues have been very, very difficult. Right. Emotionally difficult, physically difficult, mentally difficult. Dentistry was in a place where it was trending towards more and more work for less profit. Mm-hmm. And I think the best way I could describe this to people is their body type, right? So if someone says, I've gained 20 pounds, I don't like that I've gained 20 pounds, but someone says, yeah, but you're not that overweight, that doesn't help the person who gained 20 pounds, right? Sure. You're, just, you're not saying, so with dentists, it's like, yes, at least we're open and restaurants are closed. That's very tough. Yeah. I feel for them, right? I have empathy for them. But it's so difficult to run this dental circus. I mean, practice, I mean, circus. Where <laughs> they're not eating you. They're just trying to slowly annoy you to death. So that's challenging. Uh, through my journey, I mean, I've had the be- an awesome family, but my, my dad passing away suddenly. And my, my mom passed when I was 20. That's challenging with family. I mean, one of the things that I grew up was having such a great extended family close to me. Yeah. And it's been poignant, especially during a pandemic, where there is such thing as too much family time, right? I mean, there just is. You're right. Relationships weren't designed for this. Boundaries. All, I always say it's like that sitcom life where like there's no new people on the show. So like tonight, like Mary and I try to like have these like Friday nights where we do something with the kids, but everybody like nobody did anything new to <laughs> talk about, right? Yeah. Like it's just how it is. Like it, so there's something really I think it's been everyone has it tough during a pandemic challenge, but being the parents of a six and a two-year-old, when Difficult. you normally have play dates, I think if your kids are older, there's definitely challenges, but they're a little more self-sufficient. Sure. So having a six and a two-year-old in your home all the time, because you can't leave them home alone. So yeah, that's been challenging. Um, and then, you know, in the dental nachos world, all the good parts also comes with weird, sometimes online hate, uh, people getting upset with you. One of the things I think we would think is like, if you were in college, I never think like you're a little, little bit younger than you, Brian, but like, I don't know how I met anyone in college. Like, did I just walk around and then people, we didn't have cell phones. No phones. Yeah. But if you wanted to have an argument, it had to be face to face, right? Yep. Now people can kind of like come from behind and do this weird cyber bullying. And you can have these, there can be these whole conversations going on about you that you're not even part of. Right. So I would say that's a challenge because, you know, that's, to say it's brought me down, I'm not really one of these people who gets super high or super low, but it's definitely sucked energy out of me. No doubt. Try to deal with haters, challenges, people who get upset with you. So those those three things are definitely things I I'm hope I'm hopeful for less of in 2021. Yeah. Is, is there a uh, arch nemesis out there, an online arch nemesis I mean, that you have, like one there, person? There, there's other dentists who. What happens? A lot of it does have this interesting superhero quality. We're like, or no, it has a lot of WWF old school quality, yeah. like 40 year old men. I mean, my business coach always said this. I mean, in general, my six year old is not threatened by our two year old, but if like her other six year old friend got a cell phone and she didn't get a cell phone, that's not so good. So yeah, sometimes people, you know, some of you are like, Paul, you don't have to work at your office as much. I'm like, do you see the other things I do? If you right. came to live the day with me, you would not be jealous, right? Yeah. So, like, I think it's also about not understanding the backstory. So there's other there's other group leaders that do that. My hope is that 
Some people, to their credit, like apologize. I always, I'm, you've known, I don't say anything, type anything, or text anything that I don't want someone to read or hear. Now, yeah. doesn't mean it can't be taken out of context. So I'm not saying everything I do. So you could take something I've written out of context. Right. And say, I did. But I try really hard that even if I disagree with someone, to still be respectful to them. Those rules, like I think our kids are going to have to learn about this. I it's really good. believe this is what they're going to have to like. Don't type this. It's forever. Yes. It, 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 it's not like you're going to lose a job. It's just that when we argued as kids, like it just existed in the air that everybody went home. Yeah. Now it's like immortalized in these weird online things. So that would be, I think is I would love to contribute to those conversations. If I ever made it with dental nachos and I could be like either an author or a leader and I could just spend a year on like a, a sabbatical, I would love to contribute to how to enter. I wrote an article for dental economics, uh, just be nice online for dental Facebook groups. And I had a, like a jewel thing in the end, only kindness matters. Right. Sounds great when you say it, but it has to also be applied to in-game stuff. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, if you could go back in time as 43 year old Dr. Nacho and visit an aspiring dentist in dental school it, yourself, what would you, what advice would you give to yourself? First thing I would say specialize in perio or oral surgery, be a specialist. Really? Because What I've learned is that specialists have a lot of autonomy in their business models, their earning power, and their circle of dentists in life. I always talk like the Lion King, like circle of dentists. <laughs> Don't get things like, I love fillings and perio. I'd say really specialists and general dentists are two separate people. Yeah. You wanted advice from this one guy who traveled back, really consider a specialty. Uh, second, I would say, do everything in your power to work with other dentists as hard as it is. Because right now we have seven dentists that work in our group. And what is interesting, and I can tell you as a financial guy, and you probably see this, the more the dentists who work with more people make less money, but they have more personal flexibility. Interesting. Does it, does it matter? I'm just going to throw out numbers. Then these are just, you know, does it matter if you make $500,000 a year with everything on your shoulders or $350,000 a year with partners that you can rely on? Yeah. So those would be my two things. Specialize and look to work with other dentists and bring dentists together. And even if though, I mean, there's this weird, I mean, it's probably fits nothing in your, your world. Like there's this weird money contest that no one cares about, right? I mean, no yeah. one cares about it. I mean, you know, if someone says I make $700,000 a year in that moment, someone might be like, oh, I'm jealous. I only make $200,000 a year. But if that $700,000 person is, has so many daily challenges, that might not be the right life for you. So I think work with other dentists to relieve some of this crazy stress. Yeah. Really consider being a specialist. The specialist thing is really, that crosses all sorts of businesses. If you can go an inch wide, but a mile deep, right. you can make your life so much easier. And in some cases, you can make a lot more money by doing it that way. And, and a lot less, which, what's interesting is less stress because we don't know why. So there's this place in Philly, Schlesinger's. They literally, they're an amazing diner. They'll make you a turkey dinner any night of the week. They will also make you eggs. They will also make you chicken parm. What kind of fridge do they have, right? <laughs> what else is? You're like, I would like to have the turkey dinner. Like, we would like you to get out, right? Yeah. <laughs> Elvez, they do one thing. We do Mexican food. Yep. We troubleshoot Mexican food. That's so it's it. also like periodontist, troubleshoot implants, soft tissue stuff. That and and if I always say quiz people, survey people, don't listen to me. Go to 10 specialists and say, do they wish they were general dentists? You're going to get yep. zero out of 10. Go to 10 general dentists and say, if you go back and specialize, six out of 10, just use that data for your own personal life decisions. So that's kind of my, my two things there. 
That's, that's great. So I, I totally agree with you. Um, final question. What do you find most difficult about running multiple businesses or what do you like the least about running them? Uh, really, the most difficult part, Dr. Barry Polanski turned me on to this concept a few years ago. We were talking decision fatigue. And to just give a quick summary of it, if you're in jail and you want to get on, you want to be uh, let loose on probation, you want to be in the morning, right? Or like right after lunch. Yeah. Mid morning or your late afternoon, people you're are hungry toast. and tired. Yeah. <laughs> so the decision fatigue part that you can't predict what's going to come at you decision wise, and people will ask you so many questions. Now, I like being a leader, but that part is sometimes we wondered why Barry Sanders retired earlier than he could, right? We wonder yeah. why a baseball player, because we don't know the stresses that they go through yep. as an outside person. So one of my, if I could give you one to listen to, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll expose Jeff as one of Jeff Goodman, JG Air Max, all of this is <laughs> one of the best Peloton riders in the whole country. Like really? Entire country. Yeah. Like, so when he does a 3000 member ride, sometimes he finishes first, right? Holy crap. Um, and so, he has to post about it on social media, right? Cause that's well, he, the role of Peloton riders. Occasionally we'll put it on Instagram, but you know, his style, he's very introverted. He is very introverted. So, yeah. So he'll occasionally do it. But Peloton, if anyone said, I want to know about you, Paul, listen to the guy Raz, how I built this episode with the founder of Peloton. Cause he started his business in his forties and he said the most amazing thing entrepreneurs, doesn't be dental nachos, dentists, uh, financial partners, they don't give up or go out of business. They just get too tired to keep doing what they're doing. And That's that to me is the challenge of this whole thing. And it's not necessarily physical. Sometimes it can be emotional. Sometimes it can be mental. Sometimes it can be social. Sometimes, be, but he's basically said, it's not that you run out of money or you go, it's that you get too tired to keep doing what you're doing. So if someone said I had to do this for the next decade, I say, I can't do this, but I'm always trying to just grow it and replace myself and get to a point where I can have other people enjoying doing this stuff. And I'm doing some of that now with practice sales and some of the C stuff, but that would be the part that you know, I say, if what I don't like about is that you wake up, you check your devices, you're not checking for candy crunch. You're not checking TikTok. Not that I look at this. You're looking at what's incoming. I call yep. it tennis balls at your head. Yep. I look at these tennis balls and I said, guys, if you saw tennis balls, because I played tennis as a kid, you saw tennis balls as decisions. There'd be so many coming. At the end of the day, I got to go pick them all up myself. So yeah. that would be the part that I would say was the biggest challenge. Great. That's a great point. I couldn't agree with you more there. Well, thank you so much for your, uh, for your time. I, I absolutely enjoyed this conversation. So I'm if you'd like to go to Rocky too. I, I love it. We got to get to Rocky four with the uh, Ivan Drago, which is yeah. underrated Rocky. If you ask me, um, if you'd like to see Paul's dental practice website, go to Pennington dental center.com and to check out Paul's dental nachos business, go to his very cool website at dental nachos.com. Paul, thank you so much. And cheers to you. Cheers, Brian. Thanks so much. Love what you're doing. Thank you for listening to happy half hour with an entrepreneur sponsored by rivers edge advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share a beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC.